Hi, this is Michelle Weidenbenner, your Chief Hope Builder. I am the author of Mom's Letting Go Without Giving Up, Seven Steps to Self-Recovery. You can download that for free at momslettinggo.com. Welcome to the podcast that will help you feel at least 15% better. Feel free to join our Facebook private group, Mom's Letting Go, also, and surround yourself with other moms who understand your pain. If you would like to take your journey into a deeper accountability and recovery for yourself, join us at momslettinggo.teachable.com where we have a subscription membership. We have a tribe of moms who are all together in support groups and coaching and we study together and grow together and we are going to write a book together so that we can help other moms come into recovery with hope and determination and a way to find their own identity and recapture their purpose that they lose in the throes of dealing with an addicted loved one. If you find this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave us a review because that's how other moms will be able to find us too. God bless. Hi, this is Michelle, your Chief Hope Builder, and I am here today to talk to you about consequences and how we can let the world be our children's teacher, no matter how old or how young. So, but first, why, why, why don't parents give consequences more, right? Even when they're younger, kids are younger, or for us, our adult addicted loved ones, why don't we give them more consequences and spell it out? Well, it's because it takes work. It takes work. It's so much easier sometimes just to let them do whatever. Because if we give a consequence, we have to follow through with that. And we have to do what we say we're going to do. And it's, it's like a little job, right? And we have to think about it. Because if we give a consequence that we can't keep, like if you do that, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, this, and that. And you know you're never going to do it. It's not a real, it's not the right consequence, right? So whole families, whole families can get well with one person's commitment to change. And changing the way we give consequences and share and communicate those consequences is huge. And it can be a huge point in our loved one's uh, addiction cycle. So when we soften the rough edges of naturally occurring consequences, um, it's, we get in the way. We get in the way. And some people say that's enabling. It takes away some of the teaching power of life experiences and the world outside our homes when we get in the way of natural and logical consequences that our loved ones have to face when their um, addiction gets in the way of their life. 
However, just to point out, um, you're not a horrible person if you do this, because I think every single parent of an addicted loved one has enabled in some way. Um, and, and I think it's because one, like I said, it's so hard to follow through with consequences and to communicate those. But also it's because we love our children and we don't, we don't think that their actions justify such a harsh treatment as jail or prison. And so sometimes we want to prevent that um, from happening in their lives. But just the word enabling is, is just so negative. And so keep in mind that um, even if you've enabled before, it's okay. All right. Um, we've all done it and we do it because we love our children. But one of the big problems is that moms get the wrong message that loving their child and being supportive, even when they're addicted, is enabling. And it's not. The two can be totally different things. You can love your addicted loved one and not approve of them using their drug. So when we withdraw our positive attention, even when um, our loved one is using or they're sober, um, it creates a negative environment for everyone. And our other children, our other family members see us reacting that way. And it, it pushes everybody away from the loved one, the addict, right? But what's the antidote to addiction? It's connection, it's connectivity. And so it's so important to remember that, you know, we can follow through with our consequences and still love our child. Um, so let's go into that. How do we do that? Well, first of all, we have to honor our values, honor our addicted loved ones' values, and God's values. And where you sit with all three of these is your business. And I will never tell a mom, you know, what to do or what not to do. But think of your values and honoring, honoring your values and what's it worth to you. So I just, I just watched the movie Ben is Back. Julia Roberts is the mom in that story. And if you haven't watched it, I recommend it. And in one of the scenes, um, Julia Roberts goes into the underground, you know, where all the addicts um, use and exchange money for drugs and that kind of thing. And she actually comes, comes into this packet of heroin and she kind of hides it in her bra. And when she's looking for her son and she's trying to save his life, she hands out that heroin to this user because she knows he needs it more than anything. And she exchanges that dope for information about where her son is so she can save his life. And, um, you know, it's, it's a fine line. I asked in Moms Letting Grow group, you know, how many of you have gone into the underground and done something that has been you know, contra to your honor, to, to your value system, right? And I'm sure with all of us moms, we don't want to break the law, but when it comes to our children's and saving their lives, like what will you do? Um, you have to honor what that is for you. And in Julia Roberts' case, um, she felt justified 
So I will never say what you should or shouldn't do, but it's something to think about, isn't it? So research shows that people really do start to change when the outcome of their actions isn't pleasant or enjoyable. So allowing for naturally occurring negative consequences to happen to our addicted loved ones um, just allows that process to happen. And if we want them to feel so poorly that they finally decide they want change, this is the way, one of the ways to do that. And if we look at every action in life, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if you fall and you skin your knee, it's going to hurt. If you walk into a busy highway, you're probably going to get hit by a car. If you drink and drive and get pulled over, you're probably going to flunk the breathalyzer and go straight to jail. These are consequences. Natural, con con natural consequences happen without any enforcement on the part of a parent. Often allowing the natural consequence to occur will prevent us from nagging, right? From getting in that argument. And so it keeps us out of the equation if we just allow natural consequences to help. And that becomes the right lesson. And some will say that this is where God's will comes in. That God is in the natural consequences, right? And that if we give it to God, he will mold the journey of our loved ones to, to be a part of molding him or her for a better purpose in their lives. So what are some examples of natural consequences? Well, like, you know, my grandkids forget their lunch. Oh, well, you know, Mimi can't drive it to, to uh, school. Probably not. She has other conflicts, right? So the consequence natural will be they have to eat the school's lunch. Well, they might not like that, but that's kind of what happens, right? And what would they learn from that? Well, next time they might remember their lunch. Um, and then once they get into teenage and 20-year-olds, you know, they arrive late for work too many times, well, they're probably going to get fired. That's not something that we have to do as moms, but it's a natural consequence of them in their life. If they lose their cell phone, they have to buy and save for another one. You know, my 16-year-old, if she... If she breaks that or she's not responsible for it, I'm not buying her one. That's something she'll have to work toward for herself, right? Um, more examples of logical consequences might be, um, well, first of all, those are the ones that are imposed on parents that are associated with the child's poor choice or behavior. And, you know, when the kids are living with us and they're not adults, it's a little easier to give them consequences. Well, you wore your sister's sweater and without her permission and you ripped it. Yeah, you have to save your money and buy her a new sweater. That's a consequence, right? Um, and then as an adult child, right, we're still the parent. Maybe they're living with us. You drank when I let you use my car, so you lost this privilege. So here's where you get to insert the consequence. What is that going to be? What's that going to look like? And nobody can say, uh, you know, tell you what to do. So which consequences do you have a tough time enforcing? I recommend sitting down with your spouse and 
having a talk or your significant other talking to him because you want to make sure that you come up with consequences that you both agree on, right? And this is going to be tough because he might want to be a little more tough than you. And um, maybe it means that you compromise. Um, start with a list. What are your values? What do you expect of your adult child? If they do X, then what will you do? What will the consequences be? Um, and you could start with, you know, as long as you live in my home, you know, we're paying for your phone, but by this date, we want you to be able to pay for your own phone um, and start paying for rent, insurance on your car. Do you expect them to get a job? And if they're going in recovery and they're still in the early detox and early recovery parts of their life, they probably won't be able to have a job yet. They, they probably won't be healthy enough. It's possible. So, um, meet with, we meet with your child and find out, you know, what consequences make them a part of this contract, of this agreement, um, and use specific actions, targeted dates. You sign it, they sign it. And, um, you know, what, what are the consequences going to be if they start using again? Um, and can I stay healthy? If, so if they use again, um, maybe you say, it looks like you're back in your addiction. Do you want help from me or support? You know, how can we find you a place to do an assessment? Because obviously living at home isn't going to work. Um, and if the child says, no, you know, I don't want to go to an assessment. I don't want to do anything. Well, you have to ask yourself, can I stay healthy in recovery if my child uses and lives in my home? What are their options? You know, can they go to a homeless shelter? Um, what, what will you tell them? You know, what, what can you live with? And one of the contracts, um, there are many places, if you just Google contracts for um, addicts in recovery, family contracts for recovery, um, this one here is from safeharborrecovery.com. They had a great example of spelling out contracts that you can use um, and create together. Um, just Google it and you should find some. Palgroup.org has some that are really helpful too. Um, and, you know, it might just be as simple as a blank piece of paper. And how do you want to shift to help motivate your child? Um, if the pain isn't worse than the benefit, why would your loved one change? So you can include, here are the things that we hope you know, that we're going to strive toward for you to change. And you can sign it, um, and you can have your addicted loved one sign it, or you could just make this a personal thing that you want to do with your accountability partner, Mom. Here are some of the things you're going to change, and list those, and ask your accountability partner to walk through these with you and help you stay accountable. Ooh, that'd be powerful. So, but we can't be the consequence. And here's why. Here's what happens when our anger and nagging become the consequence. 
our loved ones don't really learn how the larger world feels or reacts to their decisions. In their mind, like we are the problem, you are the problem. My mom is such a control freak. That's how they view it. They don't make the link between their actions and real world outcomes those instructive, naturally occurring consequences. They don't make the connection. And your child may turn to using a substance to tune you out and block any feelings they have about your reactions, about your nagging and lecturing, and their shame and their guilt and their regret. But here's, here's another really strong point to remember. You can't blame yourself if they start using. They are in control of their own triggers. Just know that the, the common response to your nagging might be the exact behavior you're hoping to, re, to reduce. So how can you eliminate that? By drawing consequences, boundaries, um, spelling out the consequences in a contract with your loved ones, with your family, get them involved, get your addicted loved one involved and make them a part of the process. When we take our emotion out of the interaction with them and we can just speak in a friendly and calm tone like, oh, yeah, it looks like you're in your addiction again. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it must really be tough. So let's talk about what our contract said. So where are we going to go from here, right? Just calmly. If this, then that, right? If, and it's already spelled out. So what can you do, okay? As far as consequences, we can also positively um, reward behaviors. You know, congratulations on your new job, positive affirmations. I know you really tried. I'm sorry, this is tough. Oh, that was such a nice gesture when you reached out to me and you called to tell me that you relapsed. Um, I noticed that you've been communicating with your children more about what's going on in their lives. That takes intentionality, and I'm proud of you. And so, you know, when when we always just notice the negative, it it's it's still attention. So if we start noticing the positive, or only even those things that they should automatically do, that they already know how to do, but we just take for granted, like showing up for work on time or problem solving something really simple. If we stop to notice that, um, it's a positive. If they carry their plate to the sink after they eat, I mean, any little thing, you know, just notice that and applaud the efforts. So some of the positive reinforcement strategies, um, might be positive affirmations. Just text them a positive affirmation. Tell stories about their past and remind them of, of times when they were there for you. Say things like, I noticed this today, or I see you doing this. Um, and, and in your mind, you practice new habits, right? And every time you do something different that's positive, Use a little tally system, you know, for yourself, like on the side, on a little sheet of paper every day. Maybe put it on your calendar or on your phone, someplace where you can tally up how many times you intentionally did something positive or said something positive to anybody in your life, but mostly your addicted loved one when we're struggling with this. 
and stay in the now. The past is gone. And so by bringing up the past in their lives, it just doesn't help them move forward. It, it, um, there's nothing to be gained unless you bring up stories of their past when they were children and you remember fondly them doing something fun, funny, something supportive of you, anything like that. Then, you know, you can bring that up. But try to stay in the now and the immediate future. So as your homework, just think about what consequences are you afraid to enforce and why might that be? Why, what might be stopping you? And have the conversation start today. God bless.